Welcome back, my dear friends, to another episode of Around the Shabbos Table. I am Aaron Wogelanter. I'm here with my father, co-host, Rabbi Wogelanter, a.k.a. The Father. Do not be alarmed. Shabbos was not harmed in any way, shape, or form in the production of this show. And as always, we are a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network. And you can go check them out, us, out at intentionaljew.com and check out some of the new shows that we have going up there. Um, some exciting news in terms of housekeeping, what we have coming up, what we have coming up for this show. And I think that opens up a conversation that we sort of want to get to today. So we were, we were approached by and we were in conversation with this uh, pretty awesome opportunity to speak to somebody who helped remaster a very important Holocaust film called The Last Days by the USC Shoah Foundation out in L.A. And we were, we've been in touch with them to speak to either a producer or somebody from the, um, somebody who was involved in the production of the movie. And having watched it recently, you know, just because of this, I watched the film and it reminded me that I should probably be doing this like once a month, be listening to or watching or consuming Shoah-related, Holocaust-related content. Um, and it really doesn't bother me if it has religious, anti-religious, Zionist, anti-Zionist uh, bent. Just to remember, um, to remember what happened, what continues to happen to us, like the, the after effects of the Holocaust, of our mindset, of my mindset, you know, growing up not knowing anybody intimately who was there, um, and, and how easily I forget how easily we forget, but how easily I forget um, what happened in the show. So it really brought up this whole conversation. So if anybody does have, um, any of the listeners have anything to add to that um, or would like to come in on conversation about that as well, then we're, we're happy to open up the discussion because I think that this concept hit, hit home with me. Sathya, I have had the opportunity to go three times to, uh, to Auschwitz. And... Um Maybe while we're talking, I'll, I'll share some of some of the things, some of the 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 the, the feelings and the thoughts, um, some of the the processes that we went through um, when we were there. But I'll tell you a very important thing: what you did was, I feel, um, was was really what what this generation does. That we talk about the we talk about the past. We talk about you know remembering what happened to the Jews, remembering. The hatred that existed in the world. Remember the hatred that still exists, of course, but but it's all about really all about the Holocaust. Remember what happened after the flood. After the flood, it says "Vayiskar lekimis nayach." Not "Vayiskar lekimis," called the dead people. And every right after the pasuk that says that everybody died, "Vayiskar lekimis nayach," because what was nayach? Nayach was now the next step. Nayach was the the taking up the the building on the ashes. And the going to the next place, and and I think that that w- as much as we need to remember the Holocaust, like you say every month, we need to have these constant reminders. We need to have the constant reminder. I think of the realization that we are survivors of the Holocaust. We were never there, but we are survivors. And a survivor's job 
is to keep that flame going. Why do you think we relate to it? Why, why my generation relates to it like that? Um, I think that, that's, that smarter people than me have dealt with this question. And I think that it's a real, it, it's a real issue. Um, but I think that for me, the reason we do it is because it, it's, it's just a, it's a historical thing. Of course, you know, we take our history, we move forward with it. But, but it doesn't, it's not so compelling to me. It's not, so, it's, it's not so compelling in the sense that I don't really have a responsibility. I remember the past, I remember all the hatred, I remember all of that. The, the reason for all of that is, is that there, there needs to be a future, and we need to take that, that past and rebuild that into something. And that's an obligation. Right, it also speaks to my complacency as a human being, not even as a Jew, don't even start with that. <laughs> but just my complacency as a human being. I'm not a survivor of the Holocaust. And I'm speaking to that side of me. I can understand where the rebuke is coming on that feeling, but I, I, at its core, I'm not a survivor of the Holocaust. You don't see yourself that way, right? Correct. Correct. Right. I don't see myself. I'm a Jew who lives, who was brought up in America, two, three generations in America, and you know North America, and that's um, that's where I come from. So may, maybe if I remember the pain, then I can remember that I'm a survivor of. But I don't, I don't even, I'm so far removed that I don't even see myself as a survivor of. I see myself just, just listening back to my words, like replaying it in my mind, that way I didn't know anybody intimately who was affected. Because our, our branch of the family, both, both my mother's side and my father's side, both of them came over before the war. But according but to you, we as Jews are intimately affected. A hundred percent. We are here because... Our, our three generations back made certain decisions that brought us here. But those parts of our families, and when I said, I said our family, but it's everybody's family is this way, um, that, that made certain decisions to, to either stay or to go made a difference as to whether you were a family directly of, of Holocaust survivors or not. But every single one of us is ultimately a survivor. That, that wiped out a section of the Jewish people, and therefore we're, we're survivors. You know what? You know isn't that a scary? Isn't that a scary approach to have, though? I mean, that to to live. You're in essence living as a as a survivor. You're living as a as a remnant. I have a responsibility. I don't know. I don't just take up space here. I have responsibility because of my global my my national mission. I have responsibility by national mission, and I also have responsibility to ensure that that I do my contribution. To my people, that that this, in in our um, scope and purvey, doesn't happen again. In the sense that that we don't we don't bring ourselves to the brink of that kind of destruction. Uh, okay, I mean, I hear you. Why why you feel that way? Obviously, we're different. But there was this video with um, Shlemy Zions on on uh, YouTube. I don't know if you ever saw it. The the Peter Santanello where he went into the Hasidic, a totally not, not Jewish right. guy, was brought out a, a big, made a big Kedosh Hashem for the Hasidic community in, in uh, New York, and, and Jews in general. And he was talking to some people there, so some Hasidim, and their whole feeling was, like what you're saying, that we're survivors and that we're so affected, our Hasidic communities are so affected by, and I personally thought that was very odd. Because we have to move on, in a sense, and, and, and I have to realize that 
to sit in the pain is not is not a, is not um, productive at all. So to see my I, I, and that's why I threw out the whole maybe the baby with the bathwater here, but maybe maybe there's something to to dissect and to take and to yeah take with me. But I, I don't think of the Holocaust in terms of in terms of me at all. In terms of us Jews, all Jews, not even necessarily from the religious standpoint, but like all Jews. I think of that. But me? Yeah, not maybe that's what moved me so much that I, I saw myself in there a little bit. I saw that, you know, it can happen again was a very scary thought to me. Is we're headed in a very similar place to the not in terms of anti Semitism, but we're headed in a place of complacency and feeling that we're that we're in charge as a nation, as Jews, as people. Like some of the things they were saying. So that hit me very hard. Berlin, like Berlin he Yerushalayim. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're not, I don't even want to say, like, you know, the, the things that we do say today, that it's scary when you say it. Uh, the cities that we, <laughs> that were Madama, and that people say, oh, you made Aliyah to city in, in Chutzah. It's just because, again, it's not that it's a horrible thing to say, but it's the mindset there. That's what it mm-hmm. That scares me that we're watching history, very short history, Repeat itself again. That that's scary to me, but me, I, I don't see myself there. So it's not it's not as much a personal thing as it is an, a generational thing. There's our generation, three generations removed from the Holocaust, is still nevertheless where the you know the Torah says it. Torah says by the sons of Aaron, after another one of you died, the other two sons were called Banavanisarim, the leftovers. They were the remnants, because because we we ultimately are what was left in this world to continue on the Jewish people. And that's what Noah was. Noah was the remnant from whom he had a responsibility to rebuild and to reset foundations. And we have to see ourselves, and again, not, not Jeff Wogelerter, but we, our generation, has to see ourselves as responsible for that. Look, we, we have to remember that there's another component to life. We have a lot of responsibilities. It's, uh, I'm having a hard time adding that one in. I'm being told brutally honest. Yeah, this, we don't have to agree every time. We, I mean, we hardly, when in real life, we hardly ever agree. Um, but but there, you know, the, there's another component to, to life, and that's the spiritual component. We live life a lot of a lot. Even our spiritual lives, we live in the material world, and we live on a on a physical plane, and we don't recognize that there is a spiritual component to all this. Our souls are all one soul. And they're all, they're all tied into each other. And, and therefore, when I'm doing something, so then the other part of my soul is, is also benefiting. And we don't, we don't necessarily see it that way. And when you think about it, talk to people that go, go back to Poland, or people that don't go back. People that say, I'll, I would never go back there. I would never spend the money on, right. in, in Poland. I wouldn't give them one penny. So, so how did we get over that? Stunning, beautiful, I think. I never know what you're going to react to, but, but, but the way we got over it is, and, and Mommy was very, very vocal about this, she, she felt it very strongly, was that there are you know, six million of our, of our brothers and sisters and children buried all over, all over Europe. We believe, and that's why we go to Kavarim, we believe that we do something for the Neshama, we, we're Ma'ala, the Neshama. When we go to Europe... Europe is a cemetery. Today, it's a, it's a Jewish cemetery. And when we go and we daven and we say, and we sing a song, we keep a Shabbos, 
all those neshamas, all those neshamas are elevated. When those neshamas are elevated, the rest of our neshamas are also elevated. And all of Klayusol is elevated by not forgetting them, and not just forgetting them by reading stories and looking at pictures and, and telling, over, you know, telling over amazing stories of, of spiritual heroism, which we've, we've sort of forgotten many of those stories. Or, you know, have never, some people have never even realized that there was such incredible spiritual heroism. And spiritual heroism doesn't just mean the desire to keep mitzvahs, it means the character development, you know, the people, people living like, like malachim, like angels in, in those times. But, but our job when we go there is to elevate those neshamas because that elevates Klayusol. And we don't forget because we're still, we're connected, we're part of that. And that, that Klayusol's mission didn't change in the Holocaust. The mission of bringing itself closer to God and of, and of developing itself so that it's a mirror of God, that was its mission before the Holocaust, and that's its mission after the Holocaust. And all the Holocaust did was knock us down. And we're still in the process of getting up and dusting ourselves off and continuing to move forward. So that, that's why I say that that God remembered Noyach. Noyach was the important one, not just, not just the stuff of the past, but getting up and continuing to walk, bringing them with us and continuing to walk. I can relate to that. And, and I think I can relate to it also that the spirit, once you get into the spiritual messages of the Holocaust, I can relate to that. And, and you know, when I was watching this, I, I felt that you know, Hashem and God was talking to me through through the Holocaust and he's telling me this is the relationship that I have with you now again only I can do that you know X many years later I don't know if it was still fresh if 30 40 years ago I'd be able to do that but because I'm removed I'm able to look at it and see almost like we do with Mitzrayim in a sense they're able to see how the Rebbe Hashem relates to us and the relationship we have with the Rebbe Hashem. so that's a sort of like where the, where I can connect through that, through the spiritual component there. Right. And th- you should know that there were people, there was, you know, yesh v'yesh, there were a large many people that came over that, that could no longer bear God. And that's totally understandable. It doesn't make it right or wrong, it just makes it very understandable. Um, but there were, and, and we tend also, again, not to necessarily know about all this, but there were enormous amounts of people that that held on, and and that saw, they saw God, and with their very clear sense understood, that they could explain nothing, nothing, literally nothing, and they had to explain not a tragedy that happened to somebody else, but a tragedy and travesty that happened to them. The you know, the, the loss of of their family, the loss of their larger family, you know, hundreds, if not if not you know. Ten, hundreds of hundreds of, of relatives all wiped out, and then they were the they were the bun of Hanisarim. But but they recognize that, and that's how that's how Torah Judaism today is living and thriving, because of people that recognized that we were we were burnt to the ground, and now we have to build from the ashes. Not walk away from it, but we have to rebuild it. Correct. Right, right. Oh, I, I'm agreeing to all that, and I agree that that Torah in the world 
And Judaism has survived because of those who've held on to their faith. I, I can agree to that. And, and yeah, and appreciate that. Um, but I, I do think that this conversation is important to, to sort of just steer it over. But um, when you talk about how do, how do we relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and like, you know, what, what was God in the Holocaust? What, what kind of relationship did he have with us? Was it, and, and there are those who, you know, discuss it, and I don't know if this is really my, um, my goal here, but was God the, was God the judge? Was God the father? Helping his child get back on a certain path? Was father, was, was he a spouse? What was, what was a Kaddish Baruch and what was Hashem? his relationship with us um, in the Holocaust. But, but really just, not even just the Holocaust, but in general, it brings up the discussion now of, of how do we relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and what is appropriate ways um, to relate to him, sources for it, and, and are there different relationships with HaKadosh Baruch Hu that at different times are inappropriate and different times are appropriate. So for me, it's always one of the most important is, um, is, is really... Leaving that discussion, but really the, one of the most important ones and most um, effective for me is to relate to Kaddish Baruch Hu like a spouse. Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you, and I don't mean to put a spanner into it, but and I'll come back to that. At the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference how we interpret things that are going on and how we relate to him, whether it's spouse, whether it's um, father, whether it's Melech, whether he's our king, father, doesn't matter. But that it's a relationship. And I think that that's right. Where, I skip step one, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the key to it. And now you want to define the relationship. Well, it depends on, it depends on the times and what you need to learn. And but, right, that, and that's exactly about I'm thinking that in every, every question, every big question mark, you, you're not going to have an answer. We don't have an answer for the Holocaust. We don't have an answer for Mehron. And I know I'm skipping millions of things in between. We don't have answers for 9-11. We don't have answers for anything. Um, for for any, any soul, any person, anything. That's, for, any, for any child that gets sick and dies. For any, for any tragedy that we watch. We don't have an answer for Corona. Sorry, just can't go a podcast without saying it. <laughs> but um, we don't have answers. But we, it's, it's, it's very similar to the way you relate to people. The way you relate to your spouse. Sometimes you... I do not understand why you did that. And I can talk you I could talk to you about it for 10 days straight and I won't get an answer because you're working like this and I'm working like that and we're not on the same page. As soon as we put each other on the same page, it doesn't help me for the answer. I don't under, I can't I can't understand because I'm not you. But at least I can, our relationship can handle that. And we can handle why you did that. So the same thing is with, with HaKadosh Baruch is once I understand, once I relate to him, if I'm relating to him like a judge, then maybe my question is really, my question of why did this happen is really, is very scary. If I'm relating to him like a father, if I'm relating to, meaning the wrong time, using the wrong relationship, so then the question becomes exaggerated. But if you were to have the right combination of question and relationship, and you're relating to him the right way, so then you might not need an answer. We don't relate to our kids and say, we need to know why my kid bit, bit somebody else. We want to know how to stop it. We just want to know what's happening in his mind that makes him do this. What's the progression? But I don't need answers. When there's an emotional relationship, when, when you feel, 
what, what's an emotional relationship? When you feel connected on the level of a soul, when you feel, you feel you can rely on the other person, you feel connected, completely one with the other person. So then that is elastic enough to be able to handle the things that you don't understand because the connection, you know, like Velcro, when you just, you just attach one small part of the Velcro, it's not really strong enough to hold anything, but when you attach a nice strong piece of Velcro, you know, and it's got that good sound when you when you pull it apart, and it's you know it's tough, so it can it can hold everything, and and you don't have to worry. When you have think of think of those relationships, and I don't want to put you on the spot, you know, as as being the father, um, but but I think of of my father, and I, and I you know my father could do no wrong. Now I I don't like it when you say that because you don't mean that. No, because let me let me finish the sentence. I mean, I know that there were I know there were things that he did wrong. I know that he was a human being, but the human part of him was so less important than the part that was so stellar and beautiful. And it's not that it disappeared, but that it was able to stay as a question mark in my life because my Velcro connection to him was so tight that it just it didn't it didn't matter. That stuff was outside you know was outside the the context of my connection to him with, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so we have, we have a sense and, and a knowledge that by, by the, by the Rebbe Shalom, everything is perfect. There, he can do no wrong. That's part of, that's part of you know, our Amun and Bitochen, that he can do no wrong, but that it doesn't matter, the question marks don't make a difference because my connection to him is so strong that those don't matter. Are the question marks when 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 we say when we say Hashem can do no wrong? Does that mean there are no question marks? No. Okay. No, that means ultimately I know that He's not doing anything wrong, but there are things that are confusing. And I think it's important to stress that there are things that are conf- confusing, oh. just like in a relationship. Right. The only little difference is is that in the end of the day, you know that that they're right. As you, you, you know, we're, we're sure that there's a reason for everything, there's a purpose for everything. There's nothing... Again, a broken relationship is where you don't trust that the other person is, is doing everything that's good for you. A good relationship is where both are doing for each other. We're talking about the optimal relationship. So yes, there are caveats, but in an optimal paradigm, uh, um, utopian relationship between a husband and wife, so they both believe and they both trust that the other is doing only good. So now it's comparable to, to what a Kaddish Baruch is. Right. Correct. And that doesn't mean that I don't hate, I'm not terribly bothered by what you're doing. It's terribly bothersome, but I know it's for the good. So that's where your, your, metaphor, your metaphor slams into a wall. Because the, the only difference, and you don't, you don't need to focus on it though, but the only difference is, is that with the Rebunish Lelem, at the end of the day, it, it's not wrong. Because I could believe in our relationship that you're doing things wrong, but I'm not going to let them get in the way of our relationship. I, I don't hear that slamming into a wall. If I really believe and you're really doing for good for me, so then it's really the same as the Rebbe Shalom. The kol da'avid rachman it should be the same for you. Right. The, the little, it, it, it doesn't pay to argue this out because the, the little nafkamina is is that you're not perfect and therefore you can't really say kol da'avid rachman. You can, your intention okay. can be very good for me, but at the end of the day, it can't be. Because you're not perfect. Okay. I know that's a hard thing for you to handle. But yeah. well, no, you're talking about you. Oh, you're yeah. talking about me. Oh. 
<laughs> okay, I'm going to argue this one out then. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, okay, I can I can accept that, but um, but it's the model. I'm, I'm the model. The model until until you find the the small differences. Okay, but the model is definitely there, and I think that um, it's, it's an emotional it's an emotional model. You okay? You, you like to focus on on marriage, and that's that's perfect. I I focus on on parent child relationship. Um, friends, I mean, there, there are many, there are many, many, right, right. there are many interpersonal relationships. It doesn't, spouses is, is a very intimate one, which you can learn a lot from to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, but it's true. Friends are also, and you know, the Gemaras themselves compare, compare different, um, Amarayim to different jobs in a palace, a sar, a, 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 um, a general or a, like a gatekeeper, you know, so, so it's all different relationships at, um, uh, that we relate to as people we can understand. So that would help us understand the relationship with the Kaddish Baruch as well. There are commentaries that even call Reacha, that they say it's talking about God. So, so it's, it being, it's comparing a, the God relationship to a friend relationship. Right, and I think they both go both ways, is that um, when you understand the relationship between a spouse then you can understand your relationship with the Kosh Baruch Hu. And when you understand the relationship with the Kosh Baruch Hu, then you can understand the relationship with the spouse. And, and likewise with children, when we say, Avinu of Harachaman, and you're sitting there, you know, berating your kid for something, so then you can start understanding what does it mean to be an Av Harachaman? What do we expect from a Kosh Baruch Hu? And then what should we expect from ourselves? You can go with all these relationships, they can, they fall, it goes either way. It goes, you know, back and forth, cyclical like that, because you can learn from this to that and then that back. Um, so, so, you know, just talking about you know the relationship very important. Just throw it into Shavuos a little bit, and um, Rus. So uh, we always ask the question, and you can approach it from this way: that that why do we read Rus on um, on Shavuos? So because Rus was a convert, whatever. There are all kinds of you know all kinds of wonderful answers that she's the paradigm of accepting Torah. All that's great, but I think that Rus brought certain midos into into Klayosol. She brought. And, and you know I could go on for hours on this, but but one of the mitos that she brought into Klayosol that she introduced sort of into Klayosol was the concept of being a devuka. A devuka means somebody who is emotionally attached completely, has an ability to be able to emotionally attach yourself. The way to do that is by by making yourself very small and by recognizing the greatness of another person and be able to, to attach that. She did that in two ways. She did that to Naomi, the shvigger. Right? She did it to her mother-in-law. And she also did it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to the Jewish people. And it's not, they're not mutually exclusive of each other. The reason why we, we, we hold Rus up is because we need to see both of those. That ultimately, it's about a relationship with God. But sometimes, to get to that relationship with God, you have to have those midos, you have to have that kind of, that kind of character, those characteristics and attachments with people. And when you have them with people, you can have them with God. And then other times, we take God as the paradigm and we train those midos towards people. So she had one midah that had two manifestations in one book. It had the manifestation of being a devuka, of being an attached person, of being, of being connected at the hip to her mother-in-law, but also having that same kind of midah, that same kind of dvekos, Right, that same ability to be a devuka to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. and and it was and it's all ultimately if you if you want to boil it down, it's all ultimately about an emotional relationship, and that's and that's the level that your relationship with God has to be on. Right, and and yeah, you ever hear people say, "I'm sorry," do you ever hear people say, "I love God," 
Yeah. And, yeah. and it, sounds, it sounds just weird because we forget that it's a relationship. It's a relationship. I'm, this is one of the things I'm fortunate about. I think, I, I think that that's, it's normal to us. We just had this conversation with uh, Dovi um, at the Shabbos table. That the real around the, the the Shabbos table that would be desecrated had we uh, <laughs> had, had we, we recorded, recorded. Yeah. but we were talking about how he grew up that they didn't necessarily talk about in a religious home, but they didn't necessarily say we love God or Hashem did this to me this week because and that's how they grew up. And his wife grew up in in a place where they spoke about a Kaddish Baruch Hu freely like that, and neither assuming that the conversation was assuming that neither did not have a non-emotional relationship meaning both families had emotional relationships with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, which was shown through through the way they related to the Kaddish Baruch Hu. it just didn't come out necessarily in words and i think that i'm fortunate to to be in a place where i talk freely about it to my kids i, I almost stress it um before the before the structure you know when we talk about Brachas, I always say, did you say thank you to Hashem? To the point where the kids say, well, how do we say thank you to Hashem? Oh, you make a bracha. And that's, and that's important that HaKadosh Baruch is here. He's real. He's alive. And it's just the basis that it helps us with, deal with these things that, that come up in life uh, because HaKadosh Baruch is there. He's alive. He was with us yesterday. And we, heard a, we heard a speech today in Shul. And he was, he was pushing the tzibor. He was pushing the, the, the listeners and, and us to a place where, where don't just live, don't just do, it was even deeper, don't just be connected to God because, because, you, because you know he's going to give you what you need and because he's a no-saint and because he's someone who gives and he's a giver and he's an ultimate giver. And if you, need, if you need money, you go to him. If you need health, you go to him. Him meaning H-I-M, capital H. And if you need... And if you need anything, you know, refuse. anything you need, you go to Kaddish Baruch that, That's a level. And he was pushing us to a place where, even when you don't need, he was pushing us to a place of hoda, a place of, of saying thank you to Kaddish Baruch the relationship of saying thank you to somebody. It's beautiful. And, and this is where I take it to a wife as well. It is beautiful and it's wonderful to buy your wife a present for her birthday. But it's, it's because you... It's because it, 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 it asks for it. The day asks for it. Something asks for it. What about buying her a birthday present the day before her birthday? Where you can just come in and say, I appreciate you for everything you did for no reason. Can we do that? Do we do that? And is that important? But those are the questions we should be asking because then you look at a Kaddish Baruch and it is now a week and a half after something horrible happened. And now things are, we're getting back into Shavuot. So today's a regular day. Did you wake up and you say, just thank you? And again, we say, we dive and we pray every day. But are, but are, we, are we feeling it? Are we, meaning, is there a relationship there between us and him? Do I, am I cognizant of you and aware of you in the same way I was you know, a little over a week and a half ago, where we were, we were so clear and cognizant of Kodesh Baruch Hu on Lag Bahimer? So today, calm day, life is good. Am I cognizant of him today also? That's where the emotional thing comes in. That's what Yoiv came to the understanding at the end of the whole book. And the whole story of Yoiv, Yoiv comes to the understanding that until then he had an intellectual relationship with God. Intellectual relationship with God needs to have answers because it needs to fit into a box. An emotional relationship doesn't need answers because an emotional relationship transcends those answers. And he said, 
up until now, it was it was just I, I heard you. That's it. I mean, I, you know, you were there. But now I understand you, and I understand my connection to you, and your connection to me. And now everything is different. Right. How little, yeah, it always just shakes me, how little we, th- we think of the tools that Kaddish Baruch Hu gave us. He yeah, has a book we could read every day and just remember that there's this relationship knocking at our door, right? And you know, it's a pillow. Like, first of all, I, 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 um, one of the shmuzin that I give very often is how I grew up without God. No, no, a religious Jew without God. Reli- totally religious, totally religious. No God, no God. What, Daddy, why do we do this? Says in Tyro. You have to. There's no no sense of God. I've told you a story about my uncle, uh, Uncle Billy. So he grew up even even worse. Um, it was his the answer that was given to him always of why they do things was it's geshrib and it's written. Oh, nice. So you know he he didn't buy that and he went his own way. He became the president of an Orthodox synagogue, a very beautiful Orthodox synagogue, and uh, they put up an Arab in town. He was not himself personally observant, but. Um, very connected person, and they put up in a, in a Irvin town, and um, they the reporter came and took a picture of him and the rabbi, you know, putting up the Eruv, and they spoke all about it. And in the caption under the picture, it said, "The rabbi, you know, rabbi so and so, uh, and 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 Bill Stark are standing by the Eruv, which allows Jews to um, smoke and drive on Shabbos." That's <laughs> said in the caption. So my uncle takes the thing, comes to my father and says, you want to know I smoke and drive on Shabbos? It's geshribben. It's written. <laughs> <laughs> the, but but we, we never had, we, we just never had, God wasn't there. And I, I remember when I found out about God, it was like, whoa, no, that's, a, that's a new thing. It's certainly no such thing as called a relationship. We never said those words. If you did, then you were probably hanging out with, you know, rabbits and young rice. Because you know she's she's the one that introduced God. No, nobody else talked about God, and and it's a, you know, it's an incredible thing to realize that that it is it, it needs to be a real part of our lives. So that's the um, that's the so that's the that's the idea here that we have to take is that um, I think it'll be a platform for us to not a platform or formula for us to be able to deal with trying times our own lives trying times Yisrael, and all these different situations it'll be there but it the reason why we have an emotional relationship with with Hashem can you ask yourself why do I have an emotional relationship with my wife so that when we fight we'll love each other no it's so that we love each other it's for itself you have an emotional relationship for with HaKadosh Baruch because he is there and because he loves you and and not because so that when something bad happens, we could still know he loves us because that's it's just a byproduct of loving and having that emotional relationship. You'll be there. So I'm not saying in any sense that um, one should prepare for these times, but it is a byproduct of having an emotional relationship is that you can weather these storms. Um, the how tos, there's you know there's mitzvahs in the Torah that tell us you need to have this relationships. Avas Hashem, there's um, there's just there, there's many many reasons why um, even Gishribin, even in the Torah the the mitzvahs themselves are are showing us that we have to have a in a relationship and um, you know if anybody wants and and we do want to explore the how to build that's that's what we're doing here this is what we're doing we are trying to break open the misconceptions break open the 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 relationship of Geshribin, of it's written of this is what they said to do this is what we do as Jews 
We're trying to break that open and show that it is geschmack to be a yid, and it's fun and it's a, and it's beautiful and wonderful because we have this relationship with the Rebbeinu Shalom. You see, you you mentioned that there are many myths in the Torah that train this emotional relationship only when you stick in the emotional component. Every mitzvah in the Torah can end up being just a, you know, a thing that we do and a thing that we live by if there's no emotions put into can it. You, can you have Avas Hashem without, without admitting that there has to be an emotional component? Um, it's a good thing to explore. I, off the, off the, the top of my head, I would say yes. Cool. As long as you live by the rules of Avas Hashem, which would... Yes. There's certain things that are dictated by Avos Hashem. So if you do That's those, it. so then okay, wow, right? Well, you don't you don't think that a person can can go through sukkahs and and have a completely halachic relationship with sukkahs? A person can go through a Shabbos, a Pesach Seder, and have a completely halachic relationship with that that particular mitzvah and not be moved one iota. Mm-hmm. One I, think it's, I think it's again it's similar to 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 spousal relationships. You see people that they're they're married 25, 30 years and throw their wives under the bus. And then they then they then they walk out and everyone says, Oh, it's been like this for twenty years. You can you can continue without an emotional relationship, which is a scary thought. Welcome welcome to the world. You know, welcome to being a human being. Yeah. And that's why that's why I think that this that, you know, this podcast is really is like it sounds like what are these guys talking about? But I think that it's like so critical to, and, and we'll come back to it some other times, but so critical to know that we need, we need to spend time, to invest time on developing this kind of relationship with God. It's not about I believe in God. That's not enough. Because those words usually, usually don't mean anything. And, um, you know, I mean, I've had, I've had over, you know, over my lifetime people that have said to me, I absolutely believe that my entire parnasa comes from God. And they're completely and totally, they, they say that and they, and they believe that. Except for the fact they keep their businesses open on Shabbos. And not with any kind of, you know, any kind of lambdas or at there or anything. They keep their business open on Shabbos. But I know that God has given me a pranasa. No, you know that, you know, that it's a good thing to say. And on some level you probably do feel that. But you clearly don't feel it emotionally. Because if you did, you would never even think of doing that. And I'm using just that as an example. You know, a person says, I, I know that I need to be an honest person. And, uh, and, and, I, and I live by honesty. I live by honesty. Ring, phone rings. Right? And the kid says, Daddy, it's Mr. So-and-so. Tell him I'm not home. Right? So don't, don't tell me that you live by honesty. We, we, have a, we have an ability to be able to disconnect things. Things we do and things we feel. And, and the real the challenge of today's Judaism really is, is to put the feeling into the things we do. Somebody once said, put the eye back into Torah. <laughs> yeah. It's like put that put that emotion, put that feeling back in, and that's not that's, a halachic statement. Not a halachic <laughs> statement. That's <laughs> right there. That's correct. Do and, not derive any halachic. Uh... Right, and as you know, there was something that was very important in our family, and it's something that we, you know, Baruch Hashem, you know, we all we all live by, which is which is really of, of this sense of relationship, of, of finding and developing, constantly searching for this relationship with Hashem. Right. Amazing. So thank you guys for listening um, to another episode of Around the Shabbos Table. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to us at intentionaljew at gmail.com. If you are not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do. 
by the way, this is an interesting fact, only 50% of the listeners are subscribed. So it really costs you nothing to subscribe. They will not send you so many emails. It'll come to your spam. But, you know, you're not signing up for anything crazy and anything from us. We don't get your email. So it's just signing up um, helps us within YouTube to be able to spread and share uh, our thoughts to more people and uh, help more people find more good Torah, hopefully, from, from AKA the Father. So... Thank you very much for listening and uh, pass the challenge. Amen. <laughs>